well, we're going to ask you not to take a trip like that again <laughs> in the future. If, you, if you're reporting on these things, we would prefer it if you did it from the safety uh, of an office. I can't imagine just going out into the middle of the field like that and taking a look at it. I, I mean, I don't know how I would. I've done my share of days reporting from the desk. It's nothing like what you find if you put feet on the ground, man. Pulling up the notes that I have written for myself, this uh, massive timeline for Thresher Kane. Um, I did want to uh, figure out like what our success um, condition will be for the evening. Like, when do we know we have done what we wanted to do? <laughs> uh, generally, uh, yeah. So, someone says, I, "I gotta go," and that's how we know. <laughs> That we've achieved what we wanted to. <laughs> All right, that'll work. Russell will poke his head in and say, "It is, it is too late. We go to bed." And like, oh, shit. Are you gonna finish your birthday cake? Yeah. I don't know, man. <laughs> we gotta go to the store to get ice cream. Yeah, that, that, that's how we know. We have to make it to the stores before they shut for ice cream. That is our whole goal today. <laughs> God damn you, COVID. I want 24-hour stores again, please. <laughs> but when they're so, safe. Yeah, when they're well, Absolutely, when they're safe. Yeah, no. I, I don't want them to ever open there up, really. Is. Okay. So I have... Uh, here's... here's uh, this, this might be a good way to open, because here's what I absolutely love about what you guys are doing. Uh, it's that oh, yes, <laughs> it's that you guys have uh, you've hacked the third dimension of Dungeons and Dragons, and what I mean by that is like the first dimension of play. I've talked I talked about this uh, in in the episode with Kyle Pointer that it's a D and D monster now. Uh, the mm -hmm. first dimension of play is like rolling dice and playing the game, and then the second dimension is uh, metagaming. That's building the character, optimizing the character, if that's what you do, writing the story before you ever get to the table, all that behind the scenes stuff. And then there's this weird third dimension where the where the game and the metagame work their way into real life. And you can tell when this is happening, when people stop saying, my character did this or they did this, and the pronoun switches to first person, I did this or we did this. And uh, what you've done is you've made people able to play in that dimension just by listening to a podcast because, um, you know, this is this is public radio in Eberron and uh, we're either we're either a stakeholder in it or sending something to a Luffy. Um, you know, I spent quite a long time figuring out who I would be in this world if I were. Uh, and I, I guess I had more access than most, but still, like you're you're solidly in this this third dimension of play. You've done something really smart, 
you've given us a way to play D and D without playing D and D. It's all of the upsides and none of the um, none of the downsides. <laughs> uh, we don't have to keep track of mechanics. Yeah, for, for, exactly. Forgive me. I'm, I'm all I'm all choked up right now. Aww. Um, uh, <laughs> it, that means the world because that's well, I, I, the way we always played D and D was. It's not my character. It, it has always been, you know, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. When we played and uh, to encourage other people to do that, because we definitely have several people that we know in our groups who are like, well, my character does this. And I'm like, bro, no, you be your character. It's okay. It's fun. Uh, but that was our, that was why we were like gung ho for this was like, no, we, we want people to be able to engage. We want to be able to give you the most out of your Eberron because you're not going to get it elsewhere. How can we immerse you in this stupid, awesome world um, with you not having to actually learn about Eberron? How can we help bring those, those elements of this fantasy world into your day-to-day life? And when we decided to do the Kevin Capona's tiny tavern, another thing that we were really pushing for there was how do we get people to just put music in their games? Like we had heard several podcasts uh, that had music in theirs and we're playing with, hey, we're all bards, we're singing and all that. And I'm just like, yeah, no, the, in- encourage people to think of what would music be like in their game? What is music like in Eberron? Why, why are we not talking about these fun things that everyone would be like, yeah, without music, uh, life sucks. So <laughs> please, please play music. <laughs> I think a lot of it comes from uh, my background in theater and improv, and I love theater and improv. Um, during my session zeros of literally any game that I run, I teach my players the first rule of improv, which is yes and. Mm-hmm. Um, and I essentially tell them, if you do not yes and, I will sit here as a DM and I will look at you and I will say yes and over and over at you. Um, because this is the most important rule of playing at a table with other people where you're improvising. And uh, I mean, you know, rule 1A, right? Which is uh, no but. No but is always a good one as well. Um, which normally we eventually get to. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I think a lot of what we do is to prevent people from playing the uh, yes, but my character wouldn't do that. Uh, when sometimes you have to, sometimes you have to say, I understand your character wouldn't do that, but you've just decided to join this table. You've never met any of these adventurers. Tell me why you're going on the adventure because I can't make that happen for you. Yeah. I can't, <laughs> I can't bend and break this campaign so that way your character suddenly has incentive to go there. You've got to help me here. You got to yeah. help me build your character. Yeah. And, and like every good improv exercise, a whole bunch of this is done before you ever get to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of preparation that makes Im- improvisation look easy. Um, and, I, and I think about it as as a balance of energy. You know, if you're if you're coming to the table as a player, you have to be putting in as much energy to the situation as you're taking out. So, um, dialogue, uh, suggestions. Um, support for other people's decisions, decisions, uh, that sort of thing. I really like that analogy. Uh, I think that we have uh, a couple of our players who uh, have 
different social anxieties uh, who, who tend to play more back. I'm always impressed when they come forward and we, we've brought them out of their shell and they have these crazy suggestions no one else would think of or they have these uh, beautiful, beautiful role-playing moments uh, like our one friend Cameron. Sometimes he'll come through and he's been playing this dwarf fighter since forever but occasionally he'll have these big character growth moments and I'm like, oh my goodness, I couldn't have even pretended that that was going to happen and you made all of that happen on your own. You facilitated the whole thing. Just beautiful work mm -hmm. and it's nice. Yeah. Man, I, I, love, I love role playing games. I love building <laughs> a community. <laughs> We did a whole uh, conversation with Davy Chappie about all the different ones that. Uh, oh, you got Davy Chappie. We got Davy oh, oh, Chappie. So that's a secret. So, oh, no. Hush, hush, uh -huh. No. Um, uh -huh. We recorded with him two weeks ago, and I think the episode he's going to be in is going to be. I'd say two or three weeks from now. Um, two or three weeks. Because I think on the timeline, the next one is specifically the the Moorland so episode. Moorland, and, and then, then I think we have a two-week gap until we have anything Shifters? else. I think Shifters might be on the list. Because he's going to be... No, he's Changelings. He's Changelings. Yeah. Uh, but I think we have... Uh, we I have to get a hold of Brian and we have to do the... Uh, Zorchilic. The Droam. Yes, yeah. the, the Zorchilic episode. You might have to brief me on this uh, because I'm, I'm not terribly familiar with Eberron. I should say that... Um, my I came to the game in late 2015. I was part of this... Uh, this next generation of people who came along just before, um, uh, just before fifth edition, when uh, Acquisitions Inc. was kind of the face of the game, Hi. and then that is also me. I am I am right there with you. <laughs> uh, but it all means I don't know. I'm not very steeped in this lore. I love Eberron, but I'm I don't put a lot of money into this game. <laughs> <laughs> so see I, I i've been in there since three five so i spent all the money at that time <laughs> we, we have we have uh a bookshelf that is all of my fifth edition books and then like a bookshelf and a half which is all of his 3.5 books <laughs> and then on top of both of those bookshelves is just a stack of all of the ever all the ever we gotta reference a special places place, place, place uh, of honor Zorchilic, uh, because uh, uh, we were mentioning him, he's the mayor of Greywall. He, he's an Elithid. So he's a mind flayer yes. who's in charge of an entire town, and we're going to have him on. Yeah. And I'm really excited about that. Wild. Uh, yeah, and, Wild. And what we're trying to do is, again, bring that realism in, yeah. bring that sense of, hey, these people exist. Enjoy enjoy it. Yeah. But the, the character that I've put together with, with Thresher, it never came up before. I built him as a. Uh, as a wild hunt shifter. Um, I know, I know. And and this is like, at some point there will be a video or a podcast or a blog about this, where this huge Excel sheet of character ideas that I have that will ne that I will never play have found homes elsewhere, either in things that I've written for the DMs Guild or games that I've run for other people. Um, Thresher Kane was somewhere on that row, and this is his home now. Like this is what this is what I used that idea for. Uh, but I also like I don't know too much about shifters, so I'm not sure where this is going to end up in the canon of the show. I, I'm not sure what we would have to cover at that point. Um, so, can I? Can absolutely, I, yes. I was so say. shifters at this moment in time are 
woefully unrepresented in anything canon with a C or canon with a K, which is what people say anything that Keith <laughs> writes. Um, <laughs> so it's all of his blog posts that aren't uh, sanctioned by Wizard of, Wizards right. of the Coast. Um, but shifters are woefully underrepresented. They got um, a handful of pages in Exploring Eberron. They did. They were featured in one of the novels, uh, like three or four characters in yeah. different novels, like one-off characters. Yeah, that so were the main. They, they, uh, well, a handful of the novels uh, they featured in. Cause... I was gonna say because Legacy of Wolves, there was definitely a shifter in. Yeah. Uh, Mark for Death, there was definitely a shifter in, and then, yeah, and then I think there was uh, one. Basing White's novels. Had, of course, had the shifters. Um. But shifters are super woefully un underrepresented, and I will use this time because uh, we're totally putting this in our Patreon um, uh, OOC episode. Um, <laughs> anybody who's backing Keith um, has the option to vote on um, upcoming articles that he writes. And almost every time somebody says something about shifters and it gets put onto the poll, but it never wins. And uh, we need to make that happen. I, yeah, could not agree more. <laughs> you know what? M maybe we'll do a video uh, about that and then you can put it out to the Across Eberron group and just let, or not the Across Eberron, the, the Threshold. Yeah. Oh, the Threshold guys. Yeah. 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 Uh, Push what, it uh, real hard. <laughs> we, want, we want a shifter. Uh, no, uh, you, you won't need to cover anything Shifter related on this episode at all. Uh, we're going to have you just specifically talk about your time in the Mornland. Uh, we'll do an entire... And then, of course, of, about Thresher in general. About Thresher in general. Yeah, so anything that you would like to discuss regarding that, but uh, any any big things regarding Shifters, mm -hmm. we'll do a whole deep dive for at some point in time. Soon, hopefully. I think awesome. uh, whenever the Legacy of Wolves, uh, whenever the novel starts is when I want to have the Shifter episodes. I have it written down on the on the calendar. Yeah. I have it oh, great. down for that. Yeah, because you guys yeah. are following. You guys have a date on all of the podcasts. Yeah. Uh, we do. Uh, <laughs> Which God, is I just, wish we hadn't. <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine the amount of of work because because once you've opened yourself up to the star date problem, um, it might be it might be random numbers that the writers spew out, but somebody's going to care about it, and <laughs> now you uh, have so to care too. <laughs> uh, a lot of ours, uh, we've been really lucky because most of the novels and most of the modules, people put down the date, but not the years. They're like, ha, ha, ah. gotcha. We're going <laughs> around that bit of nonsense. Something uh, Stephen yeah. and I discussed, though, is uh, once we get through, um, uh, so, so canonically, um, the can the campaign setting, uh, the story begins in year 998. Uh, Steven and I decided that once we reached 999, um, the, the end of that year, we're just going to stop putting the, the year on things <laughs> <Yeah>. and just... <laughs> yeah, because I don't want to have to discuss what it means to be in the year 1000 in Eberron. Oh my yeah. goodness. What kind of celebrations are going on there? <laughs> oh my gosh. So yeah, this leads me to an, this leads me to another interesting question, which is uh, Thresher's name already appeared in the show... And I know I sent you that email, but it bears repeating. I, the, what happens when you hear just a bit piece that you wrote as a random one-off pitch come back on the podcast? I'm like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> I know what he's going to say next. <laughs> <laughs> 
I got really uh, excited. <laughs> I'm really glad to hear that. Uh, I think that uh, we we don't hear that enough. Like the the level of excitement we have people who write in all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the girls who's uh, been following us for a little bit now yeah, does look, artwork and everything, and I'm just like have, blown away by it. We have fan art, which is really weird. That's when you know you've made it. <laughs> as long as we have Tamara, we're fine. <laughs> yeah. right. We got this, guys. We just gotta keep a hold of her. Um, okay, so I can kind of <laughs> so I can kind of read this. That was on uh, Vault 20th 997. Oh, um, goodness. I know, it was a while ago, which was in real time. Uh, when? Uh, September, oh, September 11th. That's... Oh, oh, auspicious. Oh, that's, oh, oh great. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Cut all that. <laughs> so that's when that happened. Uh, real time, that was six weeks ago. Uh, eight weeks ago, just about. And uh, so, let's see. I, I actually, I cannot read these months. I'm not familiar with the Eberron calendar. So, Volt so is Volt, December. Volt is December, so that's the last month. Um, we had to do um, a stupid long hiatus uh, during Volt. So, it should be um, Volt 13th. And then we had to take a three-week hiatus going into the no it was vault 20th 20th and then we had a a three-week hiatus hiatus because of computer problems because my computer shat itself (laughs) um and our roommate who has a cybersecurity uh degree was like i'm trying to fix it this isn't the type of it i'm going into (laughs) oh way to go meeps yeah, good yeah. old meeps. <laughs> good old meeps. <laughs> Coming through at the fucking end always. Um, but yeah, so Volt is December, and then Zerantir is January. January, and we're currently in Olorun, which is February. February. Okay, so it would have been uh, in the canon of the show. You would have gotten that missive sometime two months ago i was gonna say like two months months. yeah because it was currently this will be all the room 20 so yeah yeah about two months ago yeah the easiest thing for us though is that we never have to change anything it's always 6 13 20 and 27 that's the best 28 day is nice there's there's (laughs) that's that's keith making it easy for everyone exactly Thank you, uh, Keith. Yeah, get on that modern world. <laughs> <laughs> but then we end up having like almost a month's worth of like extra days. <laughs> That's fine. I don't oh care. yeah. So here's the thing: uh, when when that aired, I was like, "Awesome!" Uh, that was two weeks ago. <sighs> Does the timing work out? And I uh, I spent a, about an hour piecing together. Would he even have had time? to get to the Mornland and back in two weeks. And it turns out you can do it if you take an airship. Uh, if you take an airship over the Mornland. Um, but to take an airship, I think the near, like the closest port was uh, right at the edge of Sire. And that is a two and a half day trip by train. So it just, like it just made sense um, and I was deep into some wikis figuring that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. And now that was two months ago. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know if it matters. <laughs> I think it was one of those things is like we were going to follow up on it and we had the intention of doing so. But I think we even recorded. There the was just so much stuff being jammed into those weeks because. We oh, did yeah, absolutely. Back to back episodes of the mm-hmm. shadows. Mm-hmm. And the long shadows were just the worst because we had a different person on each day. And I was like, yeah, man, I just so much fun, though. Th- there are times when I really wish we uh, did this like once per, you know, day every week uh, and how fun that would be. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, I, I kill myself. I can't. Yeah, there, it's too much. too much. With how much editing I have to do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, anytime you set yourself a limit, and this is this is the other reason that I that I love you guys to pieces because you edit your podcast. Um, I just, <laughs> I uh, I and I, I do it obsessively because I wanted the first season of Making a Monster to be as accessible as possible. So it was like 15 minutes or less. Um, And the amount of work you have to do to get a podcast down to 30 or 15 minutes, like it doesn't scale. Um, It would take me less time to do a two hour long podcast, which is just wild. all of which is to say, you know, I get it. <laughs> I'm not like, oh, you left me out to dry. That's that's not where I'm at. I'm just like, because <laughs> uh, I know what it takes to to fit some to fit an idea into 30 minutes or less. Um, but the question, I then must be- say, that you, you do a great job uh, yeah. of, of every well, one thanks, of your episodes. Man. It's just absolutely on point, and uh, really see, nice. like even talking to you now, you seem very professional, <laughs> and like you're the one currently doing the interview. And I'm like, I don't know what the hell I'm supposed to say. I feel like he's prepared, and I don't know. Uh, I, I should come clean. There's a couple of things you should know about me. One is that I'm a uh, media relations professional by day. Oh, oh uh, yeah. So I work with a lot of radio shows and, and news shows across the U.S. Um, so oh, I have the advantage on you there. Uh, the other thing is that I, uh, and this maybe if if you if you're using any of the last 21 minutes, um, the other thing oh, is yeah, I've we're sp- <laughs> definitely going to use this. Absolutely, I've spent some time working with actual public radio, um, like I've done production work for them. Um, really? Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, it was it was an interesting opportunity, and and public radio is just this bizarre little world of its own that uh, it runs on love, the same way that um, the same way that D and D does. Um, so you know, it, it felt like home for me. I was like, finally, somebody put NPR in D and D, and that's I didn't know that I wanted that, <laughs> and now that I have it. I'm very pleased. Um, so yeah, I try to be prepared and uh, I try to hold myself to a very high standard for the podcast. Uh, but I also, I've, I've had to make this disclaimer a couple of times. Uh, I did an episode of Matthew Whitby's podcast, the Dungeon Master's Guildhouse. And he, he told me the same thing. Like you're, you work so, you work so hard on your podcast. You must, uh, you must think I'm such a noob. And I'm like, first of all, you're British and I love you. And second, <laughs> No, not at all. Uh, because you know they're for different. They're different things for different people. Like there's a space for a two-hour unedited podcast where we just chat and do whatever. That's not the space that I that I felt making a monster could or should fill, and it's not the kind of thing that I wanted to make. Um, 
all of which is to say, like, there's no reason for any podcast. It's a bit like golf. You're, you're not playing against the other people on the, on the pitch. You're just you're playing against yourself. I absolutely uh, agree with that. I can't remember who I spoke with. What was it? Was it Davy? There, there was someone who I, I was watching one of their videos, and what they said was, uh, "It's there's always room for other people, and that there's no reason to think that because they're listening to your podcast over my podcast that they're not going to listen to both. That's just yeah. we're we're not competing. It's we're all helping build that community. We're all helping." bring more people to these different little niche categories and helping lift all boats you know and we're uh, so good at it because everyone is such a great it's such a big fan of each other um like everybody i've met even even if they don't know me um we have something in common and we have a we have common ground and it's very easy to um you know, if if you're if you're contributing something to the thing that I love, then it's very easy. Of course, of course, we have something in common. Of course, I'm going to be a fan of yours. So, so yeah. Uh, which to which brings me back to my question: Are we oh, yeah, going with him. the question? <laughs> Jesus, Are we going with the two week timeline, or is has it been two months? Because I will I will move some bullet points around. Uh, let's let's. <laughs> You, you, uh, Let's say it's been the two months. Two months. Let's say yeah. it's been okay. the two months. Two months. Uh, we'll, we'll help everything. Yeah, I think, I think uh, okay. we can say that uh, Thresher wanted to reach out sooner but couldn't. That'd be absolutely fine. Yeah. Uh, there was a Rakasha attack, so things yeah. have been a little, uh, a, a little, a little, little, little heightened. <laughs> Tight around. Oh yeah. The on the. You know, okay. When did that happen? <laughs> uh, the, the Rakshasa <laughs> attack was uh, second week of Olorum. So second week of January, yes. so about oh, thank three you. weeks ago. Okay. Yep. <laughs> um, so that, oh man, where has he been? Because it's it's entirely possible that he. Um, it's entirely it, okay. So it's entirely possible that he took a shorter, like a longer route. Either he hiked it, or he took the lightning rail the whole way, um, or he, you know, like tried to hike through the Mornlands, uh, which. God love him. Um, <laughs> what a hardworking boy! Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he, he could, he could uh, have been he absconded is. by the Lord of Blades. That's always uh, another. Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm not sure favorite. I want to get into that. I, I yeah, think. That's... I don't know. I don't know because I. Uh, that's that's a whole piece of lore that I don't know, and and it, that's the kind of encounter that I feel like would genuinely have changed the course of his work. Um, yeah. Oh my God. Oh, that's that's solidly true. true. Uh, so probably not that. Getting an airship. Uh, yeah. There have been recent airship uh, accidents. There, we have at least two of them. Literally, literally said that there's been at least two airship <laughs> airship crashes in the last few weeks. Oh, oh, you know that whoever whoever agreed to fly over the southern tip of the glowing chasm <laughs> was not was a couple a couple of spokes short of a wagon wheel <laughs> <clears throat> well yeah i mean um it's 180 you know, miles a... from vatheron to the southern tip of the glowing chasm house house uh house leander uh captain who's just um he's not on his luck he yeah. he, he spent too much money in the uh the six stones rings 
He's yeah, gonna be real down on his luck. Goodness, that's one hundred percent how it happened. Um, he got a hot tip. He hoofed it to Vatherond, and he found someone either drunk or crazy enough to make this trip. Um, Featherfall out the side of it, and then just walking around trying to find a warforged colossus. <laughs> <laughs> got a hot tip and decided to parachute into hell and <laughs> made it out. That's that's the impressive thing. This is what investigative thing, journalism is, Stephen. Oh my god, <laughs> I, I didn't realize. No, absolutely. All right, well maybe it is. I don't know. Um, that's ah, uh, it's uh, when you put it that way. Like I, I, I always just thought of. I, I don't think I had a, a sense of the full weight of what it meant to be in the Mornlands. Um, putting it it's, that way, that this man is insane. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, see, it's both a it lot an, and then not. And yeah. not. So... If you brought a small team with you, I think you wouldn't have any real problems because oh, yeah. in, uh, what is it? The, the second half of the first module from Keith Baker. What the hell's the name of that one? Uh, the Forgotten Forge? Forgotten Forge. Uh, is it Forgotten Forge? I don't remember. Shadows, uh, Shadows of the Last War. Yeah, so in, in that one, you end up going to the Moorlands and you're like level three. So I okay. think... Yeah. So it's not too wild. It, yeah, it is he would bad have... in some sections, just yeah. depending on what... Like, if you're dropping dead center a Metro, I'm sure that's just a whole other fucking thing. Um, yeah, the yeah. way I always envisioned uh, the Moorland is it's a whole lot of nothing and despair. Um, kind of like walking through a desert... Yeah. Um, which isn't too bad if you're prepared for it. Right. But Big if you're Dune not, vibes. Uh, very Dune vibes. I was literally about to say, if you're not prepared <laughs> for it, a giant sandworm is going to come up from the ground and uh... <laughs> ah. they're huge. They're there. So yeah, that that was his plan. Yeah, get that, um, get a small team. The healing is a problem yeah. there, but I mean, you could get food, you could get water. Mm. The twisted abominations might be a problem in themselves, if, but if you're okay with the eating people, there's lots of people there's around. There's solidly a lot of people. Lot of I mean, people. It, it depends on yeah. your sensibilities. I'm not. He, he's a shifter. Maybe maybe we just time with it. Do do shifter eat people? <laughs> okay. Let's now, not. Yeah. Let's. Uh, <laughs> now that's a hurtful stereotype, and I wish you hadn't. <laughs> Silas. Silas. Isn't one of your best friends uh, a shifter? Uh, you know what? Uh, I'm, uh, security, get this man out of here. <laughs> not going to be threatened by uh, a shifter in my own home. He's a shifter, not a changeling. <laughs> uh, Trying to eat people. I, I, you heard him. I we heard don't. Him. <laughs> and I'm not going to have that happen. We, we don't do that. We never have. All right. Secret for Sh Rakshasa. I'm not going to hear your bullshit. All right. All right. You okay? You okay, Rebecca? <laughs> 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 uh, I think gosh. that's something we'll have to talk about uh, on the Shifter episode, is we will have to go into, hey, they're not secretly Rakshasa or werewolves. Just stop being dicks. Oh, I wanted to, yeah. No, yeah. Th yeah. Yeah, we'll, it's, we'll have it's a to. Whole, it's a whole thing. Um. <laughs> on one of the episodes, we pretend to write again. <laughs> 
Man, those first couple episodes, uh, we wrote those and those real were real hardcore, yeah, and, and then, then we got lazy. Everything just became real <laughs> loose, real, real loose. Yeah. I, I mean, know, you developed felt... your concept, you made a thing, and it uh, it got easier to write. Yeah, that's yeah. that's <laughs> what I would tell people. <laughs> it's a good way to it's a it's a good way to <laughs> just sell it. We found it was better uh, free form. It felt more we, natural, more. We real developed the show and. Uh... <laughs> okay, we did so... the show. If you have critique, fuck you. That's... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, let's. let's I'm sorry. I'm, I'm breaking Lucas. Uh... I apologize, Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, so, uh, oh gosh, so how are we gonna do this? Are we are we doing uh, are we doing in character first? Are we gonna? Um... Let's do our OOC let's first because yeah, we've say, already got already, most of it already, here. We're already okay. late and limber. Um, let's roll into yeah, some let's, OOC. Yeah, let's, let's, uh... let's just kind of barrel through it. Um, yeah. And then once once we're out of questions or we can't breathe anymore, <laughs> uh, then we'll get into character. <laughs> Fantastic. Mm. All right, so uh, we'll come in the. Uh, uh, you want to do the start? I think I did the start last time. Yeah, I did it. Or yeah, you did. Okay. <clears throat> Hello, my name's Rebecca, and I'm Steve. And joining us today is the wonderful Lucas. Into is it Cintilla? Cintilla. Cint- Things we should have asked before we <laughs> It's been how, 30 minutes and how, we didn't touch on that at all. How do you pronounce your last name? Uh, so Cintilla isn't isn't my last name, actually. My last name is uh, Zellers with a Z. Uh, and Cintilla Studio no, is the label that I use to publish a wide variety of creative things, including the Making a Monster podcast. I'm the worst because I knew that <laughs> and it's in my brain um, but like I always see like Scintilla Studios and uh, I just brain goes stupid. No, it's okay. You gave me a glimpse into this alternate future where I had a much cooler last name. <laughs> I don't know. Zeller's is pretty cool. Zeller's I like that one too. Yeah, no, cool. yeah. yeah. It's very Germanic. Uh, it's better than having a color for a last name. Wow. 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 Harsh. Uh, so if you're listening to us now, uh, it, it has either been uh, the start of the episode or we're solidly 20 minutes on, depending on how we cut this yeah. up shortly. Hello. Uh, welcome. Welcome. Uh, yes. <laughs> So glad you're it's already here. been a great time here with Lucas uh, <laughs> discussing all of our shortcomings. As <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, you're being okay. a little harsh. <laughs> um, all I'm saying I, is he, we, no, he planned I, out better for his character than we did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I yeah, I'll just put my bullet I know, points away. I know a Luffy's birthday. What moon <laughs> sign she is? The position of the moons. In the sky when she was born, uh, her entire family yeah, background. I, yeah, I, I, I don't know any of decided, that. Yeah, I was gonna. I still haven't decided on Silas's actual last name. Like I haven't <laughs> done anything for it, or, or how many ex spouses he actually has. Or what his oh, class no. is. There's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot yeah. going on. That's great. <laughs> no, we did decide so on some things re- regard to his past relationships, which are all juicy, juicy good stuff. Yes. Um. 
but I feel like uh, for, for these characters specifically, it coming natural as it progresses mm -hmm. just makes it so that way I never accidentally release anything too early. Because yeah, I think that uh, if I'm like, hey, eventually this is going to happen, I'm going to hint to it too early just because I'm an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you know, it's there, there's something there's something very useful about this too. Is if if uh, if Silas were an artificer, then I would wonder, like, all right, what kind of artificer, and when, did, what feet did he take, and it, without without putting him in that kind of box, he uh, he's. Um, he's in a whole different sort of uh, way of doing a character. I, I relate to him differently. Uh, I, I don't have any dimension. Uh, he doesn't have any mechanical dimension to me. He's, uh, he's just a person, which is nice. I will say, after last week's episode, um, the, the On Dare episode... Uh, the the discord went wild trying to figure out what class silas has because <laughs> um right before interim music silas says you know i use swords uh, don't I you never once cast a spell in my life <laughs> and uh, the discord went wild for a solid like two hours being like is he a spell sword is he this kind of does he do this <laughs> and it was how great. in the world do you live in eberron without casting a spell in your entire life and it's is that even that possible? There, there, I am sorry. There is magic inherently in everything. We can use items that do magic. That's not a problem. I'm not casting a spell in that case. I've never All used right. a wand. Who has time for that? Honest. Uh, Spook yourself out on a technicality. It's very on brand. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Silas DeCivis getting away with everything legally. <laughs> as far as you know. I spent a lot of time as a barrister, and I know how to cut hairs. <laughs> oh, man. That's a barber. <laughs> We're just going to walk past the fact that I missed that, too. Hey, um, I, <laughs> uh, for, for the benefit of people listening, I'll just, I'll just go ahead and add, if, um, if you don't know who I am or why I'm here, uh, I host the Making a Monster podcast, um, which is about 15 minutes on a given monster with the person who designed it or whatever iteration of it we're, we're looking at at the moment. Um, I'm here because I have been relentless in, <laughs> in hounding these two to get on this show because I, I love what they're doing. Um, I love the experience of listening to this show. Uh, being a part of it on the back end as an audience member and uh, and now as a guest. This is wild. Um, so I'm really glad to be here. Well, we are glad to have you. Yeah. And uh... It's not hounding because I'm like, the moment <laughs> I listened to, to Making a Monster, I was like, how can we get this man? <laughs> uh, yeah, um, if you haven't heard Making a Monster, oh my goodness. Genuinely. It is so, so good. Um, you had... Thanks, so yeah, no, it's amazing. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you. So I, uh, you had followed us on Twitter, and um, I did my usual Snoop thing, and I was like, oh, he has a podcast. Oh, it's making a monster. She and did then an I was investigation like, check. Yep. I, I did an investigation <laughs> check, and uh, I was like, wait, I've heard this premise before. Literally earlier that morning, I was snooping around on Reddit looking at non-actual play podcasts for D and D. And I saw a Reddit post that you had posted. And I remember 
reading it and you you'd given the spiel of your of your of your podcast and someone was like if i wanted to learn about monsters i would just open the monster manual it would have to be really unique for me to listen to this podcast and all i could think about was like you didn't read this guy's like original post <laughs> i don't remember that i i don't remember that comment at all man i, I feel do. like i dodged a burn <laughs> I I I I solidly I feel like you responded it to it too. I don't honestly remember. <laughs> but you were like, "Oh yeah, the podcast it might not be for everybody or something like that." Uh you were really political about it. You were really 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 <laughs> you know, nice about it. I just remember like reading that and going, "This guy's dumb." And obviously didn't read this Reddit post at all. And then when I when I saw your your podcast, I was like, <gasps> Oh, I know this guy. Oh, I have to listen to this right now. <laughs> I got picked up from work and I climbed in the car and she's like, you gotta listen to this right now. And then oh, we yes. listened to several episodes as we were driving around town and it was fantastic. Yes. We, instead That's of going home, we, we went around town just to stay in the car. <laughs> yeah, I was, like, I was your people. stay in the car podcast? That's awesome. Absolutely. Yes. So good. Yes. yes. <laughs> Because uh, we didn't like you had listened to them in order, and then we were listening to them in just random Out whatever I wanted. Because I was I was on episode three, like the third episode, by yes. the time I picked you up, mm-hmm. and I was like, "All right, well, you, you got to listen. Come on, come on." Yeah, uh, the, the Chinese hopping vampires. I was like, Yanshu, "Yep, I'm sold." Yeah, uh, ten out of ten. Yeah, that um, was my that was one of six interviews that I did before I even launched the podcast. So. Uh, the designer there, Banana Chan, she really took a chance on me. She and about six other people uh, who had no idea that this was going to be anything. And they're like, yeah, I'll give you an interview. And um, the, she was episode one partly because of the timing of the Kickstarter that she was running at the time. Um, I think Zhang Xue had like a week or, or a few days before the Kickstarter ended, and I wanted to get that out. But also... Uh, it was the first episode because it really genuinely embodied the the goal of the podcast. Um, every story is is made from conflict, and the focal point of conflict is the monster. And uh, a good story has to balance the the monster and the characters and the message that they're doing. Um, and when I when I when I was doing the interview with Banana, I, I knew I just knew that of the six that I had recorded, that was the one that was making a monster at its most crystalline. So, yeah, she was up first. And uh, and it's been... Uh, I, I think I'm on... I think I'm going to put out episode 12 tomorrow. And uh, I, I've... I've learned I've learned to see monsters and the study of monsters and the, the reading of monsters in a whole new way over the course of this project. And that's what I'm trying to give people. I, th- I think that comes through. I think you solidly can tell that uh, those are the goals there, that <laughs> you have a good understanding of the monster when you walk away from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thus far, uh, your favorite your your favorite episode or monster that you guys have talked about? Because I, kn- I know which one's mine. Oh, on, on my show? Yeah. Uh, Dagon, 100%. Uh, I think that was episode seven. When I picked it up, I just, uh, someone had introduced me to Alex Klippinger, who's done a lot of design work on the DMs Guild. And, um, 
he happened to say yes to the interview. So I was like, all right, uh, I, I don't tell people which monster they should bring. And they don't tell me which monster they're going to bring before they come on the show. Um, so when Alex picked up uh, and he's like, all right, we're going to talk about the demon prince of Shadow Sea, one of the infinite layers of the abyss. I was like, great, sweet. Um, so we went through the whole interview uh, thinking that um, this was just sort of a Lovecraftian horror that had made its way into Dungeons and Dragons as so much of the Lovecraft mythos did. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until uh, it wasn't until I published the episode many weeks later and was doing some research that I found out that Dagon, uh, that Lovecraft had cribbed the name Dagon from uh, an ancient Palestinian deity. And from there, it just kept going deeper there was so many layers of meaning so many uses of the word and the creature and the 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 concept of dagon all the way back to uh to thousands of years bc that it was it was mind-blowing um how different you know, how, how much of the iceberg there was underneath Alex Klippinger's fifth edition mechanics for Dagon. Um, and that was when I knew, I think at episode six, I knew that I had something real, um, something that could really tell me something about the world that we live in and the people who live in it, rather than just something that was, you know, a, a way to have some fun and celebrate people who play D&D. Um, so Dagon, that was the moment when it flipped. Interesting. I really enjoyed both of the Dagon uh, Dagon episodes because you did you did the the follow up where uh, you guys kind of delved into the unless I'm no I'm not hallucinating that no you're right yeah no, that, that was what yeah, I that happened I had <laughs> it's, no it's not a fever dream you had no I, I had to it felt it felt like playing hearts and breaking a suit because I had to make a whole new format for the show um i couldn't let it go Uh, i couldn't and and i say this in the episode i could not let people uh, think that i had just i i couldn't purport to be giving people the inside behind the scenes deeper meaning of a monster and stop with lovecraft's dagon because it goes Mm -hmm. down infinitely from there um and I just, I, I was burdened to, to tell the rest of the story. And so I had to get Alex back. I had to call around and find uh, a person who was um, knowledgeable in ancient Canaanite deities and who also knew a little bit about Dungeons and Dragons and who would also talk to me. And that Venn diagram <laughs> is very, very slim. Very slim. Uh, but I, I found it. <laughs> a friend of a friend um, who happened to have a lot of opinions on all of those things. So uh, it, it came together really well, and it was it was a it was it was an incredible experience doing that start to finish. So uh, you you are uh, in charge of making a monster, and you have discussed other people's monsters and their creations. Uh, is there any monsters that you've created personally? Uh, there's there's a couple. I do some work on the DMs Guild. I'm glad you brought this up because I'll I'll tell you, <laughs> I'll tell you, um, I'll tell you which one of the ones that I've made is my favorite. And uh, 
then I have a question for you guys because oh, <laughs> no, you'll love this. Um, for for a product I did called Town Musicians of Bremen, which as of the time of this recording is one sale away from copper meddling. So get on it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I uh, I wrote uh, I wrote a replayable one shot adventure that's based on the old Grimm's fairy tale. Uh, and one of the and I just had to find four monsters that were thematically appropriate for the protagonists of that story. Uh, the donkey, the dog, the cat, and the rooster. Um, ran a little short on the rooster, and I ended up writing a stat block for a were vulture, which gets into kind of a gray area for me because I'm I'm not 100% confident that just putting the suffix were in front of any animal is a good idea. Um, but I'm I'm also not entirely certain it's a bad idea, especially going with a vulture, which has its own place in mythology and folklore. Um, so of the ones that I've made, it's uh, it's the were vulture because I'm so uncomfortable with it, and I think there's a lot more work to be done with that concept. Oh, there's my age back. <laughs> I don't, right, know, I don't know if you can hear that. As well. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's a little. It, it, it's faintly in the background. You're absolutely okay. fine. It's what noise reduction right. and yeah, audacity is yeah, yeah, yeah. for. We'll come back to that. Uh, but I, uh, I'm glad you brought up the DMs Guild because I had uh, I had another absolutely mind bending bonkers moment with uh, with Rebecca. What? Because uh, it came up just some other reasons that she had actually played the first adventure that I put on the DMs Guild. Uh, it's called The Contract. It's another replayable one-shot. There's over a thousand ways this story could go. Uh, and I put it up in March 2018. It's done very well. It's a platinum seller. Um, I'm, I don't think it would... Uh, I don't think it would be so if it were released now. Um, but at the time, it was... It was, it was competitive for what was appearing on the guild um and uh i that that was two years ago and it's been out there i, I know like in my head that it's sold over a thousand <laughs> copies that there are people out there who have played this thing that uh the characters that i wrote and put into this and obsessively play tested have a life of their own and it's extremely satisfying just to know that it's a whole nother thing entirely when someone says to you, oh my gosh, you wrote the contract? <laughs> I played that and we had a great time. Uh, so this bizarre, like reciprocal, we're each other's biggest fan happened again with this thing that I wrote two years ago. And I would really, really love to hear how that went. Uh, you, I, I DM'd it for you, actually, Steve. Uh, was the contract, was that the one where we were, uh, I, I was the city guard? Yeah. I was the quartermaster? Yeah. Uh, so that was a good time. Uh, we ran that one, it was, uh, myself, mm, my the, sister, your sister, my brother, your brother, and, and then, then who was, our, was it Russell? Was it Meeps? Um, was I, I think Meeps no, was our last one. No, no, it <laughs> no? was it was because uh, it was Meeps's boyfriend. Me, uh, I was going to say Meeps and Jake. Or, or, or no, uh, yeah, yeah. There's no way yeah, that Jake yeah, played yeah, without yeah, Meeps. Yeah, Come yeah on you're now. right. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> uh, that one was a ridiculous game just to start with. The characters were all <laughs> the absolute worst. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, like, I was a town guard, uh, and I was the quartermaster, and all of my money had gone elsewhere because uh, my brother played a con man, and Russell uh, Meeps played a, a fake fortune teller. And so what they would do is they would tell fortunes, like, you're about to befall terrible misery unless you pay me money. And then if we didn't pay money to prevent that, uh, my brother would break into your house and mess with your stuff. <laughs> It was a a great con between the two of them. It was great. Uh, And a lot of fun characters in that one. And then we went through and we did the contract. Uh, I really liked uh, the the different rooms uh, initially headed into the building. That was uh, an interesting... Was that you? Was that... Or was that... Oh, yeah. I don't know. Okay, I wasn't uh, sure if that was in the module or not. Uh, so, so the map that I found for that, some someone else made and made freely available. I wasn't able to print it in in the adventure, but I did. But I did drop a link, uh, and it was just meant to be this huge manor house. Uh, I should say at this point that, and it's no spoilers to say this if you want to pick this up. Um, this is a spoiler-proof adventure because uh, it's written with at least eight options for how anything, any one plot element could go. Yeah, um, it's very it's very unique in that every time you play it, it's going to be different. So the overall plot is that um, uh, the matriarch of a harbor town has hired you to keep her air safe for the night. She knows that at some point before dawn, something will come to kill her air. She doesn't know what, and she doesn't know when, and she doesn't know why. But that's enough that she is... Uh, She's desperate to hire competent adventurers to to protect her heir, um, and it's it's great because the uh, the character of Magrath, the matriarch Magrath Fletcher, I pictured her as this uh, this this very competent, very brutal um, entrepreneur who had sort of pulled herself up out of criminal life and poverty to have something resembling a business empire and a chance to influence the the world around her for good. And it was all about to go, uh, to go south if her heir didn't make it. Uh, so it's great that, of course, she'd hire a criminal. Of course she would. Um, <laughs> I do have to ask, though, uh, Wallace is the heir's name. I gave him a stat block because I know how much people hate escort missions. Um, but I have... <laughs> Almost every time I ran it in playtesting, Wallace ended up in a barrel. Uh, so what happened to Wallace? Wallace didn't end up in a barrel. I wanted to put him in a chest, though. I want yes! that. Yes, I wanted to put him in a chest. <laughs> so everybody that, just my... puts him in a box somewhere. Well, that's, well, that's wild. What, that's my go-to. Is like they have to be protected. Uh, so Meeps, the, the, the name Meeps is from a character that we played. Uh, you know, I played a different game and I had Meeps who was my my servant. She she I hired her on to introduce me and make me seem important constantly. <laughs> and that was the argument that we had in that one. I was like, but no, I'm going to put her in a chest and she'll stay safe on the back of the horse. None of you will. I'm going to line it with pillows. And uh, everybody was against the idea because you can't put a person in a box. But, but then I was like, okay, so she gets hit with one arrow. Who's paying for that? Because I'm not paying for that. I said put her in a chest. <laughs> I think it's just, it's a go-to. You, you, it's you wanna, universally you true. Boxes, absolutely. Yeah. You, put, you put Wallace in a box. That's hilarious. <laughs> now of course uh, oh gosh 
Wallace wasn't Wallace for mine. Wallace yeah. was not Wallace for yours. That, that was yes. the, uh, the twist yeah. at the end there. twist that we did. There's a couple yeah. of different switcheroos with Wallace. Uh, what yes. I tried to do was go through and look at every assumption that you were making when you run this adventure and have a plot twist that changes at least one of them. Oh, the, the assumptions we made was we had competent characters. I'm not sure what the plot <laughs> twist was based on Hey, that. I can't. <laughs> As a designer, I can't be held responsible for that. That's on you guys. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that, that's how I start with my character. I, I'm like, what, what can I do to just anger everyone? That's the character I want to yep. play. It's true. Hey, stories are made out of conflict. <laughs> I want to be the center. <laughs> so yeah, uh, no, find uh, it on the DMs Guild. You can play it. It will be different. You'll love it. Oh my gosh, please do. Because like I said, it's so much fun. Um, I found it just scrolling through the DMs Guild looking for some some one shot to toss my players into um to kind of just have fun with them i love 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 uh just little little throwaways like that disconnected stories is what you really enjoy doing i really love doing disconnected stories the 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 post board missions oh yeah granny Uh, haggle granny haggle Mm-hmm. I remember being very jealous of that idea. There's a couple of people who have done that, like, message board style DMs Guild product. I'm like, man, I wish I thought of that. That's a great, right. what a great I idea. Did, I'm super horrible. So I purchased all of the uh, Granny Haggles, um, uh, like, poster boards. And um, back before... You know, be, before in the, the bad before times, time. In the before times, um, we would play at our um, friendly local gaming store, and every other week I would run a what we, we would call it the beginners and orphans table. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so adorable it's for, for for players that are coming into our uh, game store because we we were steadily building players. Um, I was going to say, at times we had eight or nine tables of at yeah. least five to six people. Wild. Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. In a tiny little shop, too, which is why, obviously, we can't do that anymore. Um, <laughs> but I would, I would every other week, I would let all of the new kids come to my table, and I'd run uh, a short Granny Haggle one-shot. Um, and I had, like, a poster board of, um, okay, so if you do this one you're going to gain five renown and certain things you do will oh, gain nice. renown and then like if you if if you're high enough you're one of granny's little ducklings and if you're not <laughs> then you're an ugly duckling <laughs> and so people whose um dm might have skipped on them or they were just kind of hanging out those were orphans and they would come to my table as well grab a, a pre-built character and just hang out with us so yeah, and the, oh man, good times because I was gonna say I played Kevin in that campaign. You did, oh my goodness, did Ke- you did play Kevin. Capona. I played Kevin. Oh, oh Kevin, God. I have that. So I commissioned like a like a five dollar like shitty sketch of <laughs> what I envisioned uh, <laughs> Granny Haggle to be, and I put it on the poster board, and we like it was like an actual like cork board that I <laughs> that I put on an easel behind me whenever I would set up because. If I can't be extra, what's the point? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but it's currently in our in our dining room. Yeah, so. the, the problem with you you being extra is we at one point in time went uh, like three months. We're like, oh, 
We have to finish the next section of our campaign. You have to wait. Rebecca's building the dungeon out of cardboard. Enjoy. Oh, gosh. I did. I really did. We went on a really long hiatus because I built the dungeon out of, like, like this three-foot-tall ziggurat out of cardboard yeah. and tears. I guess I yeah. It took us, like, two hours to get through <laughs> it. <laughs> Man. Oh, goodness. Yeah. I mean, that's old school D&D. I recently learned that uh, the one of the assumptions behind the first version of Dungeons & Dragons was that a dungeon master would have a dungeon of their own that they would refine and build over time uh, su- such that the dungeon was... all There was almost more effort into that than the characters who ran it. Um, kind of reminds me of... I don't know if you've seen that Dungeon of Drezar, uh, which is just a dungeon built drawer by drawer into an old dresser. And um, you, uh, it, it doesn't matter who runs it or, or how you found it or where how that dungeon came to be. That's all in it. But you know, you you would you would like, well, let's go, let's run, let's run Rebecca Ziggurat this week, and that was how you played the game. So it's come a long way, but uh, that that way of playing it is still is still valid, and there are echoes of it in all of the things that we still do. I. Th- I... I was gonna say there, there's been a few of like those mega dungeons. I've always seen them and I've never played in one. I, I think just because my specific playstyle is like roleplay heavy, so yeah. just running a dungeon like heavy level one through twenty super right. mega crazy dungeon, I, I can't even imagine. I'd cry. And I mean that was circa 1974. I mean it's 2020. People want different things out of their game. If, mm-hmm. if if you think of it that way, my dungeon is the contract, and that's at least a third of it is role play and figuring out what's going on and how and why and when. Um, so yeah, I I think there's a I think there's a I think it's still there that idea, but it, it looks different now than it did. Well, I think that uh, maybe discussing this entire uh, concept of designing out a dungeon might be the next thing for you. <laughs> do the oh, making no. a monster do the designing, designing a, dungeon. a dungeon yeah well it's it's a good point because uh the the horror of place is is a thing and uh mm-hmm. just dropped a bonus episode about it because i happened to have found myself in a horrifying situation moving into a new home which is where i went for three weeks uh but even looking back at the warforged colossus from eberron that was that's a monster and uh and an environment it's a dungeon and a dragon so you know and, and even even in the monster manual where monsters have regional effects um and uh you talk uh, there's huge it's specifically like intentionally written this is this monster's layer um the monster is a product of its environment uh and if you back if you back up from that a little the monster is a product of its culture um uh, people from China are gonna build zombies in a different way than people from the Pacific Islands or from uh, Western Europe, all of whom have zombies, by the way, and they all look very different. And then when you take that monster and put it in 1920s Chinatown in San Francisco, it's gonna look very different. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know that I have to build a dungeon. Uh, I, I think I could build a monster and be doing the same thing. I, I think that's a fair point. That's my sermon for today, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Lucas, 
Yeah. We have spoken about your your uh, previous professions and current professions, but <laughs> the most important question here is, how did you get into tabletop role-playing and or D&D? So it was, uh, I remember saying to a friend, I don't think I'll ever play Dungeons and Dragons. I think that's just a bridge too far. And, uh, and then uh, crash cut in <laughs> playing D&D. <laughs> I make a podcast about it. I, uh, I <laughs> write for it. I do all this stuff. Um, but it was it was late 2015, and uh, fourth edition was just uh, just kind of. I think I think five E came out in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was the latter end of fourth edition's life cycle, and we just decided, yeah, let's do it, and uh, we went for it. Uh, someone recommended Acquisitions Inc. to me. And, uh, you know, I, I had been, I think I had been looking for something like Dungeons and Dragons my whole life. It's, it's make believe with consequences. Um, so, you know, I was always trying to do something like that. And I just, I just fell head first into it from that point on. Um, I've been in long running campaigns. I'm, uh, I run one and I'm usually an alternate DM. I spend a lot of time running one shots. Um, when I discovered the DMs Guild in 2018, it was a few years after that. I was like, "What? A, this is this is awesome! I've put so many hours into this game. It might give me something <laughs> back." Uh, and it just snowballed from there. Um, you know, when it when it does, when you're able to make something and then you put it out, and people have a use for it, and there's like money in the bank that wasn't there before. Not a lot, but enough enough to say that like there's this is real like you made something that that people can use um it's gone from there i've worked my way through all of those three tiers of play that we talked about from playing the game to playing the game outside of the game like metagaming on it to entering in that third dimension of like relating to people through dungeons and dragons and um connecting on a personal level through through the game and that's that's been my story for the last gosh five years. So, uh, on your show, you have had uh, a handful of people um, with TTRPGs that are not Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. Uh, how many non D and D tabletop games have you played, and uh, do you have any favorites? Uh, not enough. I'll put it that way. Uh, from oh, the beginning no. yeah from the beginning of making a monster i wanted it to be i wanted it to have space for games that are not dungeons and dragons uh and here's why like D is probably the first role-playing game you heard about and it's the most accessible i think because of the giant that it is because of the number the sheer number of people who are familiar with this system and can bring you into it and like walk you through your first experience so i don't begrudge the role that Dungeons and Dragons has uh, in this in this space, but it has a certain rhythm. D and D success is a number between one and thirty ish, uh, and um, you know it's pretty predictable the way that it moves. Uh, one one of the games that I found that I've featured in my podcast early on it was called Starship Infernum. And that is a blackjack-based system. 
So success in that was based on how close you got to 21, just playing off hands of blackjack against the dealer. And when we played that game, the experience of being together and telling a story in that way and uh, having that different rhythm, um, those different cues for success or failure made it a very different experience and I treasured it immensely. So when I started the podcast, it was like, yes, Pete, please bring other people who are making like wild things. Because um, the point to me isn't to play Dungeons and Dragons. The point to me is to tell a good story together. Uh, and if you're just locked into D&D's D20 system, then you're going to miss out on experiences like Starship Infernum, the one that I had, the one that convinced me that there were uh, that the rest of the RPGs had legs on them. Uh, and and could stand next to next to D and D, so not as many as I would have liked. I'm always open to a new one. Oh, I will keep that in mind. We're going to yeah. add you into the rotation. Yeah. <laughs> make you play some of the ridiculous games with us right now. So, have you ever have you ha- ever had experience? So, yeah, you have. You've had experience with a diceless system, um, with with uh, yeah. Um, which is really nice. Not a lot of people know that there are diceless systems. Now I play, um, I'm actually running one right now for Steven and a bunch of people, uh, from the Eberron discord. Hi Eberron discord guys. Hey um, Eberron discord. <laughs> Azura, I know you're watching right now. <laughs> you're so creepy. <laughs> I felt um, that. <laughs> he has this power I don't understand <laughs> it's cause I'm a Rakshasa guys I've warned everyone I've been leaving you guys hints how are you not noticing come on ah, the cake the Did cake. we talk about the cake <laughs> so many people we'll, called the we'll cake we'll get back to the cake and it was, we'll get back to the cake we'll talk about the cake later um, But so I'm currently running it's a game called Good Society so it is society. a tabletop RPG that is not only diceless, but I I would I would wage to call it randomlessness. R- randomness. I have no okay. idea what th- those are words. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, there there is no element of uh, pulling something from a deck that you don't know what it is. There's no element of. Um, Rolling a dice. It's not a chance. It's not, it's a, not a chance, chance system. Okay, I, I see what you're saying. That's now. crazy. There we go. My yeah, unified it's... theory of RPGs. Um, I'm going to give you guys this. This is special. Uh, it's uh, every RPG has a setting, a chance operator, and mechanics. That was my thought up until this precise moment. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, it's <laughs> so so. It's it's called Good Society. It's a Jane Austen RPG. Oh no! It's <laughs> phenomenal. Oh no! That is the response <laughs> that I had for the first time that we were going to play it at uh, what we were doing uh, an all-day an gaming event. Yeah, event. and I was like, "Oh, oh man, this wow. is going to be terrible." A Jane Austen RPG. Oh, Mister Darcy, please. Yeah, and then exactly. I, I I got to become a fancy lord about town. Oh, it, no. it was so fun, so fun. Yeah, you're, you're um, at that point. You're pushing the edge of just uh, of just an improv theater experiment. So it might it, be it that. Might oh be. my goodness! <laughs> so it definitely has rules. Um, I know because I backed them on Kickstarter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, 
No, it's um, it uses <laughs> it uses uh, poker chips as oh. um, I will I will give you my poker chip. I will give you my resolve token if you let me affect what your character is going to do. And so it's not like. Uh, it, it's not a competitive game, but it's also not a cooperative game in that everybody has a secret desire that they want to fulfill by the uh, of end course. of essentially yes. the book. And there's like a letter writing phase and it's it's brilliant and beautiful. That's great. Yeah, yeah that's you, you great. The story uh, alongside everyone it else. Is. It's really fun. It's it's mm, so <sighs> all right. You've convinced me. <laughs> All right, you're in the next round of yep, that. Come yep. on! Oh no! <laughs> I'm 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 currently hoping to write a hack for it called Sharn Society. So oh it's, it's, no! It's an oh, Eberron yes. Good Society. <laughs> yes, so, that's for someone. Someone wants that. So many I, people I want, want yeah, it. No, so absolutely. many people. Uh, I've talked about it on the Eberron Discord, and there's there's a significant amount of people who want this. That's wild. And then of course. One of my players, um, when when I recommended we, we play this after we were playtesting, um, uh, playtesting Curse, Cur Curse of the Thornwood for uh, Stuart uh, Stuart Bronze, and um, I recommended playing this, and uh, they went full head on into oh Regency era fashion. <laughs> Uh, etiquette, <laughs> um, peerage, the whole shebang, and I ended up doing a PowerPoint. For oh everyone. no! A, a this is what the Regency era was in England. Uh, <laughs> you're welcome, this guys. Is, this is uh, this is this is why RPGs still exist, and this is why this is why they have the influence that they do today. It's because it's a home for just all of this creative energy that might have nowhere else to go. That's insane. Huge nerds that really yeah. want to be in a Jane Austen novel. Exactly. That's why it's been so easy to make a podcast about it because all I have to do is get people on the phone and ask them about something that they love to do. And you'd be, I don't think you'd be at all surprised to learn that if you ask people to tell you about the thing that they love or about themselves they'll keep talking yeah it's true uh, my yeah. biggest problem is that i want to keep talking too so <laughs> <laughs> make some room man <laughs> speaking about talking about ourselves um <laughs> go on Lucas, you you briefly said something uh, that I am going to have to uh, nope. have to bring oh, no. up. Nuh -uh. um, oh you no! You said something about having issue with just putting the word "where" in front of any creature. Oh, we're gonna and, do this now. Yeah, apparently uh, we're gonna do yeah, this now. Yeah, I'm and sorry, I'm just Lucas. saying. I thought we were gonna do this in valid. character. <laughs> no, I mean no. Right now. <laughs> right now. We're gonna put me on blast valid. right now. <laughs> okay. Okay, so, uh, so, all right, so here's the, here's the official PR response. Um, there is a home in this game for everything, and it's for someone. Uh, I tend to want something more rigorous out of the monsters that I put in my games. And maybe want is the wrong word, like I expect that out of them. Um, uh, if, there's, if there's a dragon in my campaign, 
then I want it to say something about greed or, or power. Um, if there's, uh, if there's a Nothic in my campaign, I want it to say something about secrets and the way that we treat them. So for me, I, I'm very much a purist when it comes to lycanthropes, because I think it, it's, it's, they meant something. Uh, and that meaning was a lot more impactful at the time that the, that, that legend was originated. That being said, that's what <laughs> I like and I expect and I want and how I play my game. The beautiful thing about this is, and the reason I have a podcast is that all of these monsters mean different things to different people and they can give you something satisfying and meaningful and helpful, even if they're not true to the original source material of the monster, whatever that happens to be, if it even exists. So uh, yeah, sure, we're a pigeon, why not? Uh, why not? I will tell you why not. No. <laughs> oh, no. No, absolutely not. Uh, I'm willing to deal with so much stuff. Uh, they're but just, no. On a, on a, they're, just, they're just sky rats is what they are. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they're just slightly more sentient sky rats. Just... Rebecca at one point in time was looking for an artist to do ancient medieval <laughs> drawings <laughs> Of, of where pigeons of of specifically oh pigeons with like beefy arms with beefy arms like like yeah. the old oh, knights that's fighting snails like that that's whole upsetting. ridiculous yeah <laughs> okay this, so this, this is, is why life. what you've done works and be this, no this is true this is why what you've done works it's the exact it's the exact tension that I have because what I want is a is a is a were creature that that like has teeth, and 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 will scare me and will make me ask questions about who is man and who is monster here. Like that's what I want, and that's what it carries with it. So for you to come in and say, what if it were this stupid looking bird that lives everywhere and poops out everything? Uh, what if it were that? Um, like it's not who's the monster now right but it's not it's not funny if if we didn't have the werewolf first like if i weren't coming into this going no make me like a thing with teeth that's scary and you're like what if it's this stupid looking whatever that I works <laughs> yeah yeah i'm, uh, I'm glad <laughs> uh, i'm having it ah oh, there's a bonus episode here ah i'm having a real moment putting this together <laughs> I gotta do some reading yeah do it <laughs> what are we doing some reading on uh, I, I gotta brush up if I'm gonna take a stand on, on lycanthropy once and for all oh, yeah. oh, oh man you know I gotta do the definitive making on. a monster take on lycanthropy why'd you make me do this I would be I would be happy to <laughs> guest on that and just make the case um, that so so this is this is a legit conversation we've had in the Everon discord because where pigeons are extremely divisive which is something <laughs> I love creating is things that just are extremely divisive um, because a lot of people say that lycanthropes um, should or can only be um, of creatures that um, historically humans have had fears of. Uh, so tigers, werewolves, rats, rats ravens, boars. boars, stuff like that. Um, but then here I am coming in 
Uh, well, um, a lot of people are afraid of seagulls because they are monstrous. They're terrifying. They're seagulls. They're they evil. are genuinely terrifying. Or, or the, uh, there was the argument that they can only be mammalian, uh, that they cannot yeah. be avian, and oh, they got into a lot of questions about like uh, specifically uh, yeah. and, and the, the were porpoise, the were platypus, <laughs> if you will. Oh my god, the were platypus! What a nightmare. <laughs> They already look ridiculous. It's already a it's already yeah. a were creature. Just the, okay, but a chimera, let's be honest, if you will. The 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 barb in their armpit. Yeah, like that's, that's the most deadly. That's That's true. the most they, deadly were. Yeah, those things they are beasts. <laughs> that's crazy. It's a were bear, but it's a koala. <laughs> well, oh gosh. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> I mean, we've. I mean, we we might have done it because, like, that's that's a great point. You have to be afraid of the creature. It has to be, uh, it has to be something that counts as an antagonist, as a as an opposing force, as a monster, as part of the unknown. And if it's not, then it doesn't feel like a monster should. Um, but you know, then there's the other argument that we're, what if. Like how do we how do we how do we classify this? Is is this idea built out of its constituent parts, a person that turns into some kind of animal, or is it built out of the layers of meaning that that person and that monster have associated with them? This is insane. <laughs> and, and then you get into okay, well now it's a regional thing. If it's a regional thing, what about pirates? Do pirates believe in were sharks? Is that a, is that a thing they're afraid of? Just all the air on the waves <laughs> underneath the bright moon, the winter shark comes. Like just ridiculous <laughs> stories. Uh, you know, you have to wonder exactly what it is, for, where, where the line is. Yeah, and if you look at a platypus, I mean, that's a chimera creature. There are loads of monsters that are just made out of bits of other creatures, uh, and that's what makes them monstrous. Um, so, I wonder what a, what a platypus. Qualifies like a like. Where's the line on that one too? Yeah, well, yeah, that's a regular. Why beast? can't why can't we have wear manticores? Yep. And I'm uh, I'm done on that fucking note. <laughs> <laughs> I'm breaking Steve. A wear I mean, Oh my god! Like a I mean, werewolf a... chimera mix. Um, if you if you do decide to uh to do a deep dive into werewolves uh, or lycanthropy or, or shape animal shape changers in general. Um, there is a tabletop RPG called Turned um, by Bree oh, Sheldon. Of course there is. Um, <laughs> it, uh, it, <laughs> it delves into um, kind of like the dual life of someone who is both an animal and a person and having to um, like uh, move around in both of those social structures. Deal with that plurality. To yeah. manage the beast within. Exactly. To borrow the Emeron. Uh, I, I, you might be surprised to hear this, Rebecca. I think we might have just. Am I going to get a copy of this audio? Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think we. I think we maybe just did the episode. I think. We, I think we just did it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm I mean, comfortable I'm with what we've done. I think we did it. Uh, to all the Making of Monsters fans, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so fucking sorry. I'm assuming the swear words are not welcome in that one. Uh, I'm so sorry. So absolutely sorry. <laughs> there you go. We'll, we'll just edit just in the keeping beat. the explicit <laughs> tag off. That's, yeah. that's great. 
Um, I try not to. I try to let people express themselves in the way that they want, but I also try to make this try to make my podcast at least my show something that anybody could pick up, no matter who's in the car. Um, so that's my we, that's my take on the swear word. <laughs> if you we care. try to do a similar. There's been the occasional it's like swear the, the word. The PG thirteen. Yeah. You get PG thirteen roll. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because if it was up to me, it would just be it would just be all swear words. I, I'm I'm no. from New Jersey. That's just how we speak. Oh yeah, it's, it's just it's a hey, dialect. come on. If you were I from, said I'm from New Jersey, not Italian. Come on now, take if it easy. If you were from where I was from, you'd be dead. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Every time somebody says that to me, I'm gonna smack them in the face. Every time, but just put it right up in the right up in the kisser. Come on. What do you think? What do you think I am? It's funny because I like I love calling home and talking to my family. <laughs> like, like the the variance in uh, the, there's a uh, one of the people who we did a podcast with uh, or who, who was on the podcast, uh, Wudaraj, the very first our second episode. Uh, he came in. Uh, he is heavy Italian, <laughs> and he's from New York. And every time he and I get in a room together, it just we slowly work off of each other until we're just comical, ridiculous, yep. fake yep. accents that neither of us has ever of done yourselves. in our entire life. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Are you gonna go grab? Uh, I was gonna say water? I'm gonna step down and grab water. If you okay. want to do the, uh, if you could lose the magical spell, what magical spell would yeah, you lose? Yeah, yeah. That way, lose. Uh, get rid of a magic I don't remember which one yeah I've got I know yeah I know. Uh, and then I'll come back and I'll do the uh, the the magic item oh okay if you could introduce an item into yeah well yeah yeah you know I got what I'm you our, our typical questions <laughs> You're good. get out of here I feel Close like I should have studied for this is he gone <laughs> everybody okay. says that no no we're just horrible people is he gone yeah he's gone Okay, Rebecca, there's something you have to know about, Steve. Oh, no, what is it? <laughs> oh, crap, you're yes-handing me. Dang it. Um, uh, he's not who he says he is. Uh, all those voices he does, he's insane. You're in danger, Rebecca. You gotta go. I could have I told you that. Sometimes <laughs> his voices will have conversations with themselves. He'll stand in our kitchen, and he'll be Kevin, and then he'll turn around, and he'll be Silas. Oh, Help. man. This bit got too true. Hey, uh, let's let's put the bit over there. What what was the what was the question? Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> if you could have uh, any magic spell from Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition um, that you could use whenever, uh, what spell would it be? And don't say wish. Okay. Uh, I, I do have an answer for this, but you said Fifth Edition. Uh, if you want to go older editions, you can. That's totally okay, cool, too. Because the answer to this 100% is 4th edition Misty Step, where you could just do it. Um, the amount of times I have been in an awkward situation and I thought to myself, man, if I were just 30 feet to my right, my life would be so much better. Misty Step. 100%. There isn't a better answer to that question. I'm sorry, every other guest you've had on the show. That's the answer. It's Misty Step. It's Misty Step. What kind of situations do you just need to be 30 feet away? I don't know. Like if you bump into somebody in the airport or if you're like, man, <laughs> I could just get down this. Uh, I could just get down this concourse. And, and like, but there's a bunch of or or just lines. 
Uh, okay, yeah. The Skip ahead infinite of the uses. Skip ahead of that. Also, uh, that's about three stories, 30 feet. What do I need stairs for? Just pfft. Ooh, I didn't even think about that. Or fences, any fence, anywhere, just pfft. Yeah, I'm done. I'm, what, is, what is a fence to a man like me? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> it's Misty Step, but fourth edition Misty Step when it was broken. Man, I really need to go to the bathroom, Misty Step. <laughs> yep, and you're just gone. Or like, man, the buffet table has, they just put out fresh banana pudding. I just, I could just get it and then go and then I wouldn't have to like get the soupy banana pudding that's left after the whole this line has gotten banana pudding. Yeah. yeah <laughs> that's a good one. I, I hope he didn't. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. No. We no, didn't, I don't know. Nothing. We didn't talk about you. No. Nothing. No, it's just what? Huh? I didn't. Why were uh, we talking about me? We weren't. Didn't spend too much time on banana pudding. <clears throat> banana pudding. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of pudding? speaking of banana pudding, um, like vanilla wafers or like little cut up bananas or yes. graham crackers. Yes. All banana pudding banana pudding is not an exercise in restraint, Rebecca. <laughs> I haven't had banana pudding in like six years. Bring it to me. Yeah, it was definitely a college food for me. Uh, but it, there was like there was one special moment in my entire three year college stint where the, I got the fresh banana pudding and I remember that golden experience to this day. Oh my goodness. I'm not sure what I've walked into, but my God, let's just roll with it. <laughs> I feel like we all have that kind of uh, experience that changes changes our culinary lives forever. We are an hour and a half into this podcast, and we have gotten we have landed on banana pudding. This is absolutely. This is where we need to be. I was going to say absolutely. Uh, if if you instead of vanilla wafers, if you're out there listening, a friend of mine did one where instead of vanilla wafers they put down uh chessmen the the fancy cookies from uh, farm yeah so you get like the good cookies on top of there that there's nice shortbread oh, mm, so good no i stand vanilla wafers i gotta go i got some things to do <laughs> i got some things to pick up from kroger yeah, yeah. will you let us know how they uh, i want to know uh <laughs> I gotta go to the store, guys. I gotta go to the store, guys. I got some. I, uh, if you're listening and you you try any of ours, let us know if it's vanilla wafers, the chessmen, <laughs> the, the graham cracker. We, we need to fucking know. This is what we're here for. Um, so I have one more question before Steve asks his. Um, and All that right. is, if you could have any, um, I'm going. I'm going to say, in the spirit of your podcast, um, any. Uh, mythical creature from TTRPGs or beyond as a pet, what would it be? Pet. Mm-hmm. <sighs> they love you unconditionally. Uh, dragons don't count because they're intelligent. Okay. Well, if the intelligence level counts, then you're going to throw off a lot of them. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, like, like, like uh, what are we talking? Eight or lower? <laughs> well, it's less, it's, it's more Out if. Of 20? if if in general consensus we agree that oh, they gosh. talk, 
like that feels like. Oh, okay. Okay. Right? okay. Sure. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. okay. All right. I'll give you that. Um, as a pet, gosh, I have. Uh, here's the problem with most tabletop RPGs. It's way, it's where the monsters go, and monsters. I'm. I, I, all right, walk with me on this. It's where the okay. monsters go, and the monsters aren't there to be our friends. Like that's the whole point. Um, so it's like ninety percent of them are terrifying, horrible, disgusting things that you would never want to be real to anybody. Uh, yeah. And my my usual answer to this question is Displacer Beast. It was the first Dungeons and Dragons creature that I ever yeah. saw. It just hit me because it it just hit me where I lived. It has too many limbs. It's spooky. Uh, but the problem is, it is intelligent enough to hunt you, and it is sadistic enough to enjoy it. Oh, yeah, that's... Both of those, yeah, are a little disconcerting, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I mean, they're awesome, and I love them, and they're super cool, but I don't want them in the world. And so now what do I do? Do I choose Blink Dogs? The Displacer Beast's instinctual enemy for reasons that nobody understands. Um, I was going to say, probably. I mean, like, that's the thing. But, like, who decided that to hunt a creature that appears to be three feet away from where it is that your best option is to get a dog that can teleport? Whose idea was that? I don't see I'm the connection. Take a guess it was probably like a drunken try, and they were like, eh, that one. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Uh, of course, displace or uh, blink dogs do. Uh, Bring in, in in the uh, the idea of uh, adorable fuzzy butt corgis that are blinking. Oh around no! Too, so. Yeah, I mean they're already a handful without it. Ugh, gosh, I don't think I don't think there's a maybe a flump. Oh, flumps. Okay. Flump, it's flumps probably the, good time. It's the only thing uh, in the Underdark, which is D and D's Australia. If you don't know. Uh, it's the only creature in the Underdark that isn't there to kill you. Uh, that's like actively helpful, um, and it's just adorable. It's slumps are my favorite D and D monster. <laughs> it's a helpless magical jellyfish, and I love him. Yeah, and then they they can turn evil if they live too close to uh, Mind Flayer. Um, Communities. Communities. And then that's just sad because. It's tragic. You just, now you been feel for the too guy. many bad stuff and now they grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you are what you eat. <laughs> <laughs> Since we had pudding. this discussion. Oh, don't think I the banana pudding. <laughs> God help you trying to edit this together. <laughs> oh, I, it's going to be the best. Be yeah, no, the, the OSDs are the easiest. Because yeah, I think I'm going to post this one on YouTube. Too. You, you go through, <laughs> oh, you just no. chop it up, and, and yeah. I'm going to give this one to the public. Enjoy. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry? Uh, what are going to say? Uh, <laughs> no, no, no need to be sorry. This is perfect. <laughs> this is what we want. If I'm enjoying listening to it and you're enjoying listening uh, to it, that's two people. I've got two views on that it's one. It's for Solid. somebody. It's for somebody. <laughs> um, your usual question. Oh, no, question. no, no. I had a question before then. So, oh, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, um, yeah. So uh, you mentioned that uh, most monsters are intended to be opposition to your adventures. Uh, have you heard of Sybil's Codex? I've heard of it. I cannot remember for the life of me in what context. 
so Stibble's Codex is a book of monsters that you can actually tame and act as your friend and pet. And I, uh, I was very intrigued by that when we had on Runesmith. He talked about it, and it, it was one of the things that he was involved in. And I just wanted to throw that out there as That's something where for you I to look into. It. I think we're back to the were pigeon thing because that, like, that doesn't, that's not remarkable. If this is something that H.G. Wells wrote about about writing, is that if you lived his, or was it Jules Verne, one of the two, his idea was no, it was H.G. Wells. His idea was that you change one thing about the world. Um, for example, time travel is real, and that's the only thing he changed. Um, a flying pig is interesting, but not if there are flying pigs everywhere. Uh, I'm, I'm misquoting it, but that's the essence of it. So it, Sybil's Codex stand on its own because we have this tradition of monsters that eat us, uh, that we're supposed to be afraid of. So when the monster becomes the friend, there's a reversal there, and that's interesting. I'm here for it. I, I, I cannot stress enough uh, how interesting all of the monsters and the artwork is just... I, I think when I talked to him, I was like, oh, the artwork, and gushed about it. Now, again, I, I do have to bring up an issue here. Oh, no! <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> uh, so, Stephen um, introduced me to the popular video game called Ark Survival Evolved. I don't know if you uh, are familiar. Ah, yes! Robot Dinosaurs um, Forever. Robot Dinosaurs Forever, exactly. Um, it's, it's, it's a pretty fun game. So what I would do in, in that during uh, Stephen and I's uh, brief stint into, into that particular game is I would gather up as many dinosaurs as possible and I would just walk over to whichever one it happened to be and I just give them a little kiss on the nose. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's one of those horrifying Leopleurodons. It deserves a kiss on the nose. <laughs> T-Rex? Kiss on the nose. The cute little <laughs> gerbil ones from the second expansion? It's on the nose. So, so what your argument is, is that every monster should be someone's pet? Is that where you're going with this? Yes. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Hell no. There's someone out there who loves a displacer beast, murderous, tentacle whip kitty and all. I, I think if that's the case, if you are someone who actively has a displacer beast as a pet, yeah, I'm going to avoid you. I'm going to call me. Keep my distance. Yeah. No, this is a person <laughs> I must talk to. Like, how in the world, what decisions in your life led you to this point? Let's chat. I have questions. My email is on my website. Hit me up. Please hit him up. He needs to know. He but needs to don't write to him. Me. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, don't, hit, don't hit me don't hit with your displacer beast. That'll hurt. A question. Speaking of questions, questions. Yeah, focus uh -huh. on, yeah, Steve. Focus, Go on. Steve. Get, get, Come on. Get it Come together. On. Do what you You're a professional, do, professional guy. <laughs> We're professionals. Speaking of professionalism, no, Rebecca, come on! Oh, I thought you were going to go on a fun tangent. I was like, "Don't do this to me." I can't remember my question. He was so close. Uh, yeah. So, uh, my question for you is one that we frequently ask. We introduced the radio to Eberron. We introduced that into the magical world. Is and there I'm any, so glad you did. Uh, well, we we are thankful that we have you. Uh, <laughs> You and our other 10 listeners, you make every day worth living for you. No, it's like, like I, we've got like 400 subscribers across everything. We do, oh my we gosh. Do, we do. Uh, yeah. Hello, 400 people. I had to pay all of them. They're all Russian bots. <laughs> We're getting there, though. We're solidly getting there. It's about, it's about momentum, really. <laughs> exactly. 
But so, with that said, uh, is there an item in the real world that you would introduce into a tabletop RPG? Uh, or D&D uh, specifically? Into specifically Eberron or uh, an extension of that into um, mm. the, your, realms, your typical yeah. D&D high fantasy. So your setting. basic heroic medieval fantasy. Yeah. fantasy. So Renfair, basically. Yeah. Uh, man, that's rough. I um, so one of the one of the reasons that I love Eberron so much is that a lot of industry has been replaced by magic, and it begs the question: Was it magic or technology all along? I mean, the the classic one. I think A. A. Clark said this was A. a. Clark. I'm going to get this wrong and I'm going to be super embarrassed if I try to be smart. A science fiction writer said that any ad sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. So, I mean, magical healing itself is kind of scary. I think, um, you know what? Wow. I'm, I genuinely don't have an answer to this. I'm, I'm tr trying so hard to yes and you on it. Um, okay, first thing that comes to my head, the unicycle. I, let's put that in there. I mean, there's a circus there that needs it. Let's put an owl bear on it. 100%, that just made somebody's livelihood. Also, now we have chain drives and uh, pedal drives. And if it's one wheel, somebody's going to put it on two. And then somebody's going to put it on three. And before long, we have cars. Congratulations. I just brought cars to Emra. <laughs> Way to go, me. <laughs> that has been our big fear with introducing radio to Eberron. It's like, it is, it is such <laughs> yeah, a stone's yeah. throw away from just destroying Eberron immediately. Where do people listen radio. to radio in their Eberron cars? <laughs> radio is like a stone's throw away from like the internet yeah <laughs> even though realistically it's it's like a quite 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 a bit of a it's a, a couple leap, heavy throws but, yeah um it'll take some time i like, I like somebody else's problem <laughs> that's that's definitely not one that we've gotten before oh good uh, so lucas and lucas listening to this in the future uh you were right it was uh a clark uh, ac clark yes i knew i got the initials wrong ac clark I was thinking of A.A. A. Milne, which is a different ball game. Arthur C. Clarke. That's the Arthur guy. Arthur C. Clarke. Yep. Arthur that's C. That's the guy. I knew I'd get there. Man. It is, it, thank goodness we don't have you in Eberron, but thank goodness I have you in everyday life. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. I made it. I've redeemed myself. Uh, so this is... Are we... Any more questions from you, Steve? I don't, I don't believe so. I, I, I'd like, I would love to sit here and do this for another 10 hours and then oh, no. just shoot out a 20-minute video. Just all the highlights. <laughs> just us screaming about were pigeons. Classic um, us. Uh, then this is indeed the part where, Lucas, you get to do your best shill. Yeah, shill for me. Um, tell everyone ooh, we're where doing plugs? find you and... Yeah, do plug your it. plug. We want you to plug people... as many times as you can. <laughs> okay. Um, Where yeah. can people find you? What What do you do precisely? How can they get a hold of you if they're like, man, I want this person to talk to me? Well, uh, the easiest way to say what I do um, is that 
I would like to be considered a creative consultant. So I've, I built the platform Scintilla Studio. It's uh, scintilla.studio, not .com, .org. Uh, and on there, you'll find my four-step method for making any creative project sustainable. And I based it on ecology. It needs a habitat. needs a place to live. We need to keep it safe from poachers. Uh, and you need to push the snowball, build momentum over time. And I've applied that concept to, uh, we talked briefly about an EP that I put out a couple years ago, just a minor independent release. I do a lot of game design on the DMs Guild. Uh, and now I do a podcast called Making a Monster. And it all lives on scintilla.studio. I think I would want you to find Making a Monster first, because I think it's the best thing I've done so far. Uh, so find me on scintilla.studio slash monster or search Making a Monster wherever you get your podcasts. I'm on 13 platforms and counting. Verbal is next. Uh, so there's an app for everybody, and I would love to show you the work that people are doing in tabletop role-playing games, the work that I'm doing uh, and I would love to introduce you to a way of making your games more meaningful and memorable through the monsters that populate them. Man, so, 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 again, so on point. <laughs> <laughs> we need to practice. We need to be better. We do. We need to, I don't know. I think we've gotten our, our shill down pretty the, good. The one at the end. Uh, we're getting there. Uh, and they can find you on DMs Guild. Uh, and you're on DMs Guild under... Uh, yeah, search for my name, Lucas Zellers, Z-E-L-L-E-R-S. You'll find all of the things that I have done, even the uh, poorly advised ones. Uh, the most recent thing that I put out is called The Way of the Shackled Beast, which is a monastic tradition for Eberron resurrected from just the miles of nonsense that is 3.5. Uh, so I'll be in your Eberron game if you want to be a shifter and punch shape changers in the face fantastic absolutely fantastic we're gonna make sure that you end up uh, as copper on the one i'm gonna do that right now i'm gonna put through as soon as we finish this up ah thanks man no absolutely no shouldn't be one away come on we can do better than that come on guys it really does oh, make a big difference it's wild Hey, uh, on that note, like if there is somebody on the DMs Guild that you want to support, one of the best ways you can do that is to leave them a review, not just like a rating, but a review. Mm -hmm. um, it really yep. does give, and you know this as a podcast, it gives people confidence to trust us with your time and attention and money if it comes to that. So, uh, you know. I've... No, I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, I, yeah, I was just going to say, um, it's one of the best things you can do for an independent creator, review their work take some time to engage with their content and leave evidence of your engagement. Um, it makes a big difference for us. I was going to say, yeah, as a couple of times, the comments that have been left for us, just nice, regular comments have caused me to cry because uh, <laughs> I was having a rough time and didn't think the podcast was worth it. And then someone would be like, this is really good. And I was like, oh, no. And so, yeah, no, uh, definitely engage. Was there anything else that we had, Rebecca? Are we wrapping this up? We're going to wrap it up. We're going to wrap this up. Do you want to do the outro? You want I do the outro? Okay, go ahead. All right. Uh, thank you for listening. And as always, keep an ear out for those. <laughs> How would you do that? One Mogan? <laughs> uh, what do we normally do to close these? I'm never sure. Yeah, we just close them. <laughs>
All right. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure having you for, I'm assuming, a long time because this went for a long time. <laughs> oh, so no. I'm going to edit about 30 minutes out of this Cut whole it down. hour and a half and then just make you listen <laughs> to the rest of it. Enjoy. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Woo. That was a journey. <laughs> <laughs>